Welcome, everyone. It is episode number 36 of the Fly Guys podcast. Justin Goodart alongside Cameron Klein. Cameron is comfortably back home in Fairless Hills, Pennsylvania. I am very comfortable up in near Scranton, Pennsylvania, up in the mountains. I was about to say the Flyers have the series tied at an emotional overtime victory, but uh, today is, well, the last couple days really have been not as much about sports, but again, uh, once again about something going on in the country that just seemingly will continuously rear its ugly head. Yeah, it's um it's it's really interesting because uh over the past like day or two, I I I almost I almost feel like I forgot that there are playoffs going on. Um just because of everything that's that's been happening and I I have this knot in my stomach. I've had this knot in my stomach for the past couple of days. It's not just it's not because of of the players not playing. It's it's because of the reaction. It just it makes me it makes me feel sick. It makes me feel nauseous um, that people could respond to athletes trying to bring attention to something horrible happening in our country. Something, another example of something horrible happening um, with with the uh, the the shooting of of Jacob Blake. The reaction to that is what makes me feel so just sick and and disgusted. Frankly, uh, all day yesterday before it was announced that the Flyers weren't going to play, I I was. As much as I loved, as much as I love playoff hockey, I'm, as much as I was happy that the series was tied up and that you know I wanted to move on to Game Three to for for the Fly guys to be able to push forward um, and hopefully take the series, it, I was crossing my fingers all day yesterday, just just hoping that they that they would come to an agreement and say that they're not playing. And I'm glad that they did. Uh, the NHL and well, more specifically the players, because they were the ones that initiated it by going to their so by their uh, representatives at the NHL Players Association. And having them draft up something and tell the NHL and the owners that we don't want to play, out of solidarity, out of solidarity with the NBA, and then just just the reaction to that, it's just it just makes me sick. I mean, Wayne Simmons tweeted about it because he's he's part of the the NHL's diversity alliance. He tweeted, as did Evander Kane and a bunch of other players, that they they sent a formal request into the to the NHL to not to not play, and and just the reaction to if you look at the Twitter comments, and and you should never. <laughs> Look at the Twitter Reading comments. the Twitter comments is never advised under any circumstances should no. you ever, ever take a gander into Twitter comments. And, you know, just just the, the outrage over what? Over what? I just don't understand it. They're angry because they're not playing. We just went four months without any sports at all. You can't handle two days? You can't handle two days. People can reflect on something that is horrible. That has been going on forever, and so many people were. Oh, well, I'm no longer a fan of you, Wayne. I'm no longer a fan of the good. We don't want you. I don't, th- I don't. As one Flyer fan to any other Flyer fan that feels that way, I don't want you to be a fan of my team. I, I don't. don't. I don't think that the reaction to them not playing. I think the reaction to them not playing has less to do with the games not being played, as opposed to the reason why the games weren't being played. I think that's where a lot exactly. of that's where a lot exactly. of the ridiculous outrage was seen. Uh, that's from at least what I read before. I yeeted right to the mountains. I think that... Well, you picked a good time. I I can tell. You know, talking about Jacob Blake, I've I've seen a lot of different types of comments. I was on my way up to the mountains. I did take a listen to 94.1 WIP, listening to John Ritchie and Joe DeCamera. And there were were quite different types of opinions that were calling in. There were a lot of people calling in that were saying how hard a cop's job is, and I never thought it was easy. I don't think that's a good excuse. If the job's too hard for you, don't have the job. I don't... I know that a lot of people like to try and bring up... When, when something like this happens... And the same thing happened with George Floyd. 
the first thing that people like to do is they like to bring up the past of the victim and say, well, you know, as you can tell, this right. person wasn't a saint. And they did the same thing with Jacob Blake. And they said, look, he's guilty of this. He's guilty of that. He's been accused of this. He's been accused of that. And I think when you do that, you, you're you either, A, intentionally missing the point, or you just don't see the point. And the point is this. It really doesn't matter in this instance, in this specific moment, it really doesn't matter what he was accused of. What matters is the fact that there were four cops in a situation, once again, just like when we had George Floyd, there were four cops then there too, and they couldn't restrain this man without resorting to extreme, almost lethal action. People per, you know, talk about Jacob Blake like he's dead. Jacob Blake is not dead. Thankfully, he's not dead. But seven shots to the back is still seven, seven shots too many. I've heard the, 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 the excuses. The taser didn't work. They couldn't tackle him. You're telling me that four police officers couldn't tackle a man who, by the way, this guy isn't built like Rod Brindamore or Fletcher Cox. He's, compared to those two, he's more like me and Cameron. He's not the most built dude. And then they say, well, the taser gun didn't work. They had one taser gun and it didn't work. Something that just doesn't add up to me. If you're going to be upset, be upset with the fact that while a man's back was turned, he was shot seven times in the back while there were children of his own in a car. Seven times, Cameron. Seven times. To, to, to the people that that are making these excuses, that are that are saying, "Well, he's not a good person. He was a felon." Blah 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 blah. I have two points to argue against that. One, there there are courts set up in this country for a reason. This country was built on the idea that every single citizen, no matter what happens, what they do, gets the the right, gets the chance to have a fair trial. Yes. Where they are judged for their actions and and disciplined accordingly or not accordingly. And by shooting somebody, before they even have the chance to have that trial, you're taking that right away from them. And for the people that argue that they they are patriots in this country and they're still arguing that, that it was okay trying to justify why this man was shot, you're, you're not a patriot. You're, you're not. You're, you are dis, just dismissing what this country was built on, a foundation piece of the idea of what this country was built on. You don't shoot a guy seven times in the back. You just don't. You know, it's kind of like I thought about this today. And I was going to pose it to you before we got on. Let's say you and I, just for whatever reason, we got into a fist fight. There's unwritten rules about fighting. And it's not just rules that you'll find in UFC. Cameron, if I were on the ground, you don't punch me in the back of the head while I'm down. You don't shoot a man while his back is turned. You don't do that! These police officers acted insanely, insanely excessively when it came to doing their job. Their job is to not shoot. For people that think that this was okay, oh, it's justified. He was going to reach for a weapon. Okay, you're missing. Okay, how did we get to that point? How did we get to that point? Why couldn't they tackle him? There's four of them. None of them can tackle him. Then all of them need right. to either, either A, all of them need to lose their jobs as field officers because they're so incapable of actually doing their job and upholding justice. Or B, they just said, screw it, let's shoot the guy. Don't tell me that four officers who are trained, they go through academy. You have all of this physical training that goes into that, and you couldn't tackle one guy? One! Wasn't, it, it wasn't the Hulk. It wasn't a wrestler. It was a regular dude. And now, that person will never walk again. And I don't care what anybody says. If this video came out and it was a white person getting shot, there would be outrage throughout this entire country. Things would be, the cops would be on trial and in jail before you could even blink. 
if you don't, if you see that video and your reaction is anything other than disgust and and just pure sadness, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I I I I can't understand you as a human being that you could have that lack of of sympathy. And then of course, as as response, there's there's protests and riots again. I'm not so I don't support people destroying businesses and stuff like that. But I the protest absolutely I I completely support them. I do too. And for the people that are that had argued when the George Floyd riots were happening and they were they were bitching and complaining, saying this is not how you do it. This is not how you do it. These are the same people, the same people who are complaining about athletes not playing. Okay, then how are they supposed to do it? Because this is the right way, right? This is what you said you wanted, right? But now that they have a problem with that too. If you have a problem with both, I don't know what to tell you. I just want to end it on this. I want to end it on a, on a, on a small anecdote of, of a personal thing that happened with me, of, of, a, of a coworker that I have. And uh, I'm not going to mention him by name, but he is a black man, and he is an insulator. So he, he's not a part of our company, but he, we work hand-in-hand together. And he's, he's a great person. I mean, with the first day that I met him, I, he, he learned so much about my personal life. I learned so much about his. I learned that he has two kids. He learns that... I have a girlfriend who I've been dating for five years and, and, and I'm, I'm getting pretty serious with. And just right off the bat, he was just a good person, a good soul. A, a couple, a week or two goes by after, after knowing him and he comes in on a Tuesday. He was at a different job site on, on, on the Monday. And he comes in and, and he just seemed different. And I asked him, a few of us asked him, you know, what, you know if, if everything was okay because he just seemed quiet, less friendly. And he told us a story about how that the day before he got out of his car to go into work, went back into his car, and there's a cardboard note that says F U N on it. This is a this is a this is a father. This is a hardworking person. Somebody who busts his ass every single day to try to make sure that his family has has a has food on the table. And I was so disgusted by that. And I asked him, I, I told him I was sorry that he had to deal with that. And his response to me was I deal with, with this on a scale every single day. If, if you don't think that is horrible, if you don't think that there is something wrong in this country because of that happens, I have no sympathy for you. It, it, it broke my heart knowing that this guy has to deal with that every day. And it's worse when you think about the fact that there are people out there that simply don't care that he has to deal with it. They don't. They simply don't care that they relish in it, that they make excuses as to why he we would would have deserved something like that. There's always an excuse for these people, always. And the fact that he's he's used to it, that should disgust you. If you have any pride in this country at all, that should disgust you. And if it doesn't, you're in bad shape. If I don't doesn't. want you. I don't want you on my team. That doesn't so disgust you. That. If that doesn't disgust you, you're in bad shape, and you need. You need some perspective on life. And it's hard to move off of that into talking about sports. And I thought that that was the, it was such, it was such an important thing to kind of point out that a lot of people noticed immediately when the NBA postponed their games, it forces the analysts who were going to talk about Lakers Mavericks. No Mavericks are playing the Clippers. Lakers are playing the trailblazers. It forces those analysts including Kenny Smith, who walked off of uh, NBA Tonight. I think that's the name of the program. It forces them to talk about why the protesting and boycotting of the game happened. Bill, Bill Russell saw what was happening, and he said that he, he, was, he was happy and he was proud of, of 
you know, the basketball players who, who first stepped up and, and decided not to play. And he, and it's a great thing that they're doing that. But he also said that he did the same thing 60 years ago. And here we are having the same discussion. I didn't know that Bill Russell walked out on a game. That's, that's interesting to know. So, uh, one of those games that was suspended was the Flyers and Islanders game three. As Cameron pointed out, that the NHL decided... Well, <laughs> not the NHL. The players basically said, we're not playing. And that's what kind of ended up happening. But before all of this, the Philadelphia Flyers had played game two against the New York Islanders and game one against the New York Islanders. Cameron, it was a tale of uh, two games, in my opinion. You saw more resilience out of the Philadelphia Flyers in game two. Yes, they blew yet another 3 nothing lead to the New York Islanders, but this time they won the game, and they won the game because Phil Myers became a hero that I knew he could be from the moment he stepped on the ice. Yeah, I was proud of him. Um, it's kind of funny because his goal did go off of, uh, off of uh, an Islander player. But, so many of you know, our goals yeah. have. A lot of yeah. our goals these playoffs have gone off of Canadians and Islanders players. I don't know how much more lucky we, how much more luck we'll have, but it works, and they win. They win in their first overtime playoff victory since Game 1 against the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2012 when a young, beardless Jake Voracek scored after the Flyers themselves had rallied from a 3-0 deficit and captured momentum in Game 1. Cameron, I, throughout Game One, it was just it was a lot of the things that we had seen as problematic against Montreal. The Flyers could not generate much offensive scoring chances. The Islanders were able to capitalize off of the transition plays that the Canadians had fed off of. But Game Two came out, and the Flyers did what they needed to do in that first period. They looked unstoppable in Period One, and I could talk about the the Hayes goal was awesome. Both of them was awesome. Chunk Terry finally getting on the board that was great. Why can't they just keep up with it? Yeah, it was tough to watch. It was a it was a roller coaster. I mean, the first goal that came out obviously was just like good, right? Like emotions were high because we the Flyers needed to come out. They needed to come out hard. They needed to score first. We all agreed on that, and they did. And it came from Kevin Hayes, one of the guys who you know, a lot of fans have been asking to step up, and he did. And then he scores again, and it's great. And then Sean Couturier scores, and at that point, everybody. Oh, I can't say for everybody, but I feel. <laughs> That everybody feels. Oh, oh, we're taking this game. We're it's taking this three nothing. Five. You've got Carter Hart. It should be game over. It should be. Yeah. And so you know, Islanders. You know, you know, Anders Lee. He scores power play goal. And I think to myself, you know what? Okay. You know, it's, it's a tough team. I wasn't expecting them to just shut him out. It is what it is. And then and then Bavillier scores. And it was like, okay, uh, uh all right. Uh, we got about three minutes, four minutes. We could uh. You know, just just hold him off. Just hold him off. And then they scored again. And at that point, I just thought to myself, okay, we're getting swept. We're getting swept. It, it was That's bad. It. It's and, over. and then uh, we can't. I want to talk about this chronologically, but we have to talk about the fact that there was an offside review. The Flyers had challenged it, and there's reason to believe that the refs completely reviewed the wrong play because there was clearly offside. And the goal shouldn't have counted. Yeah, it was off. It, uh, was, it was so was offside. I was talking to my brother the night before the game about offsides reviews, and I said how it's bad that we are now taking the offsides reviews to a game of millimeters and centimeters. And that's not what the rule is supposed to be. The rule is to just supposed to re- review, you know, clear, you know, blatantly obvious plays. Matt Duchesne, Danny Briere, those types of plays. And he said to me, he goes, well, you're always going to end up where you're going to boil it down. If you have the technology to, to, you know, zoom in as close as you can, and you see that that guy's skate is a millimeter off, and therefore it's offsides, yeah, they're going to do that. But this was not a millimeter, Cameron. This was, no. this guy, was good. a skater stride off of the line. 
a, it was a good foot. And the and the ref said the goal is confirmed, and the Flyers bench explodes. And I'm sitting with my hands. I'm like, oh my god, we just gave them the goal, and now they're going to get a power play. This is where they win it. It's over. And oh, we made it to overtime. Okay, well, we'll lose in overtime. The Islanders did this to the Washington Capitals. The Flyers' young core is yet to play in a playoff overtime game. And, hey, did Sean Couturier just miss that puck? Hey, what's Phil Myers doing? With the is the puck in the net? We win the game! Oh, my God, we're going to win the cup! Yeah, and as soon as he scored, it, it went from we're going to get swept to we're going to win the cup. Right back to we're going to win the game in five, or we're going to win the series <laughs> in five. Like, but, immediately. <laughs> listen, it was if they had lost that game in overtime, there is no coming back from that. You don't blow a 3 nothing lead, oh, lose yeah. in overtime, no. go down 2-0, and then somehow still survive the series. No, the game would have been they, over. They, yeah, they might have won, won one game, right, to make it not embarrassing. But, yeah, at that point, if you lost two games in a row um, and lost your second game by blowing a three-goal lead and then blowing it in overtime, yeah, that's you're not coming back from that. So um, my question to you, Cameron, is... I don't care how resilient you are yes did the flyers capture momentum by winning game two or did they simply stave off the islanders gaining full control i i don't it's it's really hard to say um winning that game in overtime and being able to bounce back from with adversity uh for, you know from blowing a three goal lead and being able to come back and seal it that is that is big for confidence i mean it shows that it, it i guess helps but at the same time i mean you you, you can't you can't let that happen again. You can't rely on that. And they they need to remain tight all three periods. And that any any team is going to have to if they're going to win a Stanley Cup. And the Flyers, this is this is the biggest test that they've had so far is the New York Islanders. They need to be strong all three periods. So I think momentum it'll help them going into the the next game. I think it will. You know, I think we might see another strong start from the Flyers. To me, that doesn't matter. To me, the momentum doesn't matter. Because when it boils down to it, you need to be able to, to keep that momentum going. That's the thing. Momentum fades. Momentum fades away. And you, the best teams are the ones that still can perform when their momentum fades away. So the Flyers can't rely on their momentum going into game three of, of having won game two. They need to rely on, on their discipline. They need to rely on making sure they have clear passing lanes, making sure they cover clear passing lanes, making sure they don't have three flyers go into a corner going after two Islanders and leaving the slot wide open. They got to make sure that that kind of stuff doesn't happen. They have to remain disciplined. Uh, the referees have to not, you know, blow offsides calls. <laughs> I don't think the momentum matters to be completely honest with you. I, I, I think it, it'll mat It'll last for the first period going into the next game. And at that point you got to deal with the Islanders. You have to, you have to lock down. I as think they do. I, 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 here's, here's what I, here's my biggest takeaway. If the flyers get, multiple goal lead on Saturday bitch out and go 1-3-1 just please at this point when you're up 3 nothing Cameron the game suddenly becomes less about you pouring it on as much as we all love to and it becomes about being smart on the ice you are no longer in attacker mode at 3 nothing as much as we want them to be we would have loved to have been 9 nothing we would have loved it i would be on here telling you this series is over something like that but when you're up 3 nothing, what you cannot do is take a lazy penalty, which Jake Voracek did by floating the puck over the, over the boards. What you can't do is allow yourself to get caught in a transition chance for the Islanders. They thrive off of it. You know what they want to do. They've done it to you all season. And they did it so many times to the Washington Capitals. You know what they want to do. They want 
transition plays. I'm fine with the Flyers continuing to try and score. That's fine. But you cannot... Why are, there were guys yet on game in Game 2 that were pinching in situations that they really didn't need to pinch. Ivan Provorov, for as great a skater as he is and how exciting he can be when he gets into the lower areas, he pinches a lot. And I thought that a couple times it, it cost him. Or almost cost him. You know, Carter Hart, for the most part, was able to bail them out. They won the game. And that's all that matters. That's I, They don't ask you how lucky you got. They ask you, are you moving on? That's all. No one cares about luck in the playoffs. When they play Saturday, Cameron, they need to come out with the same intensity that they had in Game 2. But they need to keep that intensity that they had in the first period of Game 2 throughout. Because the Islanders have just now told you, no matter how much you're up by, we're not going away. That, that's what frustrates me about Game 2. Is that's, what, that's how the Islanders have been all season. Against the Flyers, we saw it, as you mentioned, against the Washington Capitals last series. The Islanders don't go away. They're a tough team. They've been a tough team. And the Flyers know that. And they have to treat them that way. So I, I think we saw them got, as you saw, as you mentioned, the intensity got a little bit lower. And I think we saw the Flyers get a little bit complacent in Game 2. And the Islanders caught them. And luckily, luckily the Flyers dug deep and they got the win. But that's not always going to happen. And you can't allow the Islanders to get the opportunity to come back on 3-0 like that. You can't. Because they will. I They've feel- done it too many times. They've proven that they're one of the best teams that can do that. Yes. Yes, I agree. Now, uh, I, I would be remiss without mentioning that the other series that are going on currently in the playoffs, the Vegas Golden Knights, after trashing Vancouver in Game 1 and seemingly telling Vancouver, it was, I hope you enjoyed your little emotional win, now please get lost, Vancouver responded, and they won Game 2 pretty decisively. They tied their series up 1-1. The Colorado Avalanche fell behind 2-0 in their series against Dallas and were facing, they were staring Cameron 3-0 deficit in the face. It was going to happen. And then they pulled it together because of guys like Nathan McKinnon, the hero of Colorado, brings them just a little bit closer. It's now 2-1. I'm sure you agree that there's a huge difference between 2-1 and 3-0. And then Tampa Bay. How about the Tampa Bay Lightning getting an emotional overtime win over Boston to tie the series at 1? And then Game 3. What does Tampa Bay do? They go out and they annihilate the Boston Bruins 7-1 to in Game 3 to take a 2-1 series lead and trying to flex their muscle over the President's Trophy winner and defending Eastern Conference champion. How about that, Cameron? Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, the Bruins looked much better. I mean, they looked great in Game 1. I mean, do I, we... I thought they looked I good in Game were, 2. Well, yeah, they did. I think that they just got tired. I think that the when you, when you look at the Lightning and the Bruins, I think that the Lightning... Like we know the Bruins have the top line in hockey, right? I mean, they have so much talent on offense, but I think that the Lightning have a little bit more depth with their speed. And I think that's what we saw in game three was the fact that they were going back-to-back games. You know, they, they went to overtime the night before, and the Lightning had more gas in the tank than the Bruins did. And and boy, did they use it. It was, it was incredible what the Lightning were able to do. I mean, this wasn't just – it's not like – it was, you know, it's not like they got these goals again in the final few minutes and just kind of ran up the score. No, they thoroughly dominated the Boston Bruins. And now the Tampa Bay Lightning, with a chance of chances, to go up 3-1 whenever their game gets played because they're, I don't know, that's Saturday. Okay, it's Saturday at 12. The Flyers were supposed to have back-to-backs. The NHL said, don't worry, Philadelphia. 
you'll still have your back-to-backs, but now you'll have <laughs> even less time to prepare for the second of a back-to-back as Game 3 was supposed to be at 7 o'clock. It was supposed to be at 7 o'clock, people, from a Game 2 that happened at 3 o'clock. So that at least gives the Flyers some time. Now, Game 3 will happen at 7 o'clock on Saturday, and then Game 4 will happen Sunday at 8 o'clock, giving you no time to prepare, essentially, or rest. So Game 3 and Game 4, listen, we know we're going to see Brian Elliott at one of those games. I think we see Carter Hart tomorrow, Cameron. I think that's a good bet, but no chance we don't see Brian Elliott on Sunday. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was expecting to see uh, Carter Hart on Saturday and then and then Brian Elliott on Sunday. And again, I don't I don't hate the idea of Brian Elliott Neither do I. against the Islanders because he's he's played well against the Islanders this year. I think I think he put up a nine one three against the Islanders, which is which is better than his overall average throughout this season. So. Brian Elliott, I, I I have faith in him against the New York Islanders. Again, like I said the last time, not as much faith as I have in Carter Hart, of but course. I do have faith in Brian Elliott. Do you, do, you, um, do you find it interesting that, you know, we're talking about an Islanders team that throughout the season did not score a lot of goals and certainly didn't give up a lot of goals. The Flyers and Islanders seemingly, excluding game one, they score a lot of goals against each other. Yeah, it is interesting. It is. Because, again, like... Against both goaltenders that the that the Islanders have, the Flyers are averaging about three three goals per game, and yet they're yet they've lost every time during the regular season. So obviously that means the Islanders are usually scoring four. So yeah, it is it's very weird. Do you think that these um, teams are? I mean, I listen. I know the Islanders have the slight edge in terms of structure, but I feel like these teams are so evenly matched, Cameron. I feel like oh, I I do. I do too. It's, you literally don't know what, which way the game's going to go. Game one, yeah, the Islanders took it to the Flyers in the third period, but for a lot of that game, it was one nothing. It was close, and the Flyers outplayed them in the second period. Game two, the Flyers dominated in period one. It was a little closer in period two, and then in period three, the Islanders dominated Philly before Philly wins it in overtime. You, This game three could go any which way. I have no yeah. idea... And it all depends on those first 10 minutes. Who scored his first? The Flyers are now 8-0 in the playoffs, Cameron, when they score first. 8-0. It's a pretty big deal to score first. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is, again, like, you know, Sean Couturier scored, and and Kevin Hayes had two goals. But we're not – we still haven't really seen scoring from from their top scores. We haven't seen Claude Giroux score. We haven't seen Travis Konechny score. I'm, I'm hoping that they will be the difference makers, uh, and I'm hoping that that happens starting on Saturday. Well, I, I hope it happens soon, definitely. Because we need it, uh, we can't. Speaking it's, speaking of, it's top a miracle scores. that we won the second game without any help from our top guys. But go on. Speaking of top scorers, or at least players that are relied on, how about the benching of Scott Lawton? I can't believe we've even gone this long without mentioning it. Scott Lawton, who a lot of people had fallen in love with throughout the season, certainly me, a guy that dominated in the round robin, finally gets benched for play that I I think Elaine Vigneault would tell you was lacking. And I think I agree with it. I thought Scott Lawton throughout these playoffs has been very average to just below average as a player. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of the uh, hype around him was obviously coming from the round robin games because he was arguably the MVP of those round robin games. Uh, and then yeah, yeah, he he seemed to to kind of fallen off a little bit. Now, again, um, I, I would have rather still have seen him. And then maybe bring in JVR in place of a guy like Nate Thompson, but you know I'm not going to to really pick a major gripe with that. At the end of the day, I, I agree with you. I don't really think, at least in this series and at the end of the Montreal series, that Scott Lawton has looked a little bit rough. He's turned over some pucks. Um, 
deserves to kind of sit down and try to maybe get get a, a fire lit underneath of his ass to to try to improve and become better because we need him because our top guys aren't scoring. So we need the we need the depth guys to be able to tighten up as well too. Nate Thompson was on the was on the ice for two of those three goals, by the way, for the New York Islanders. Just want to yeah. point that. Just thought I, I, just thought I'd mention that. No no reason why. I just thought I'd mention it. Right. So as we wind things down, Cameron, I want to obviously say that the Flyers are going to win every single game, and they're, now we're not going to lose another game. But game three, obviously, those first ten minutes are going to be crucial, and I it, both teams should be rested and ready to go as they will have had two days off to get ready. What do you expect? I have no clue. I think that's a. I have I, no idea. It's a good answer, and I'm excited. I'm so excited about that because I have. I don't have this. Sl- Who knows? The Flyers could shut them out. Like they could. Yeah. Like you said, these teams are so evenly matched, and yet the Islanders still shut the Flyers out game one. So the Flyers could shut them out. They could go to overtime again. Who knows? Who knows? That's what makes the series so fun, though. And that's these why... Teams, like, so these teams are so evenly matched. It's going to be great. And that's why you need to tune in tomorrow at 7 o'clock on NBC Sports Network to check out the Philadelphia Flyers and the New York Islanders in Game 3. Thank you so much for listening to the Fly Guys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GoodHeartJustin at CameronKline15. Cameron, I'm going to go fishing, and I'm going to go drink a few. You, relax. Maybe watch the Phillies game tonight with Olivia. I don't know what you're doing with her, but... Have, have a great rest of your weekend, as always. And to everyone listening, have a great rest of your weekend. Be safe out there. Wear your mask. And as always, let's go Flyers.